0: Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast of the teaching at Life Journey Church in Crozet, Virginia. We believe that the gospel really is good news, that the blood of Jesus worked, and that Jesus meant it when he said, it is finished. In Christ, we are dead to sin and alive to God, forgiven and free, clean and close, holy and beloved, blessed and made new. If God is doing something special in your life, we would love for you to tell us about it you can simply email us at info at lifejourneyva.com. One of the reasons we are able to provide these weekly podcasts is because of the generosity of people like you. If you would like to support the proclamation of the gospel of the grace of God, you can make a donation now on our website, lifejourneyva.com.
1: Lord Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to come and share your message with this church and this church body, Lord. pray that you continue to bless us, give us the opportunities to, to grow spiritually, financially, uh, with with able to reach out to others in, in ways that just bring others to show you t- to them, and that uh, we can just be a blessing to others. I, I pray that this message that you've given to me is an o- accurate reflection of you. I pray that these words are yours, not mine, and that uh, we just... Seeing that the the compassion and love that your son, Jesus Christ, has for us. And that he is actually you, incarnate flesh. And so it's in his holy name that I pray. Amen. So, throughout this series, we've been discussing the fact that as believers in Jesus Christ, we are spiritually joined to him. And that even though we continue to live out our daily lives and our bodies of flesh in this fallen world, uh, we walk and we live in grace and faith in Jesus Christ and our Savior. So really, we live in two worlds at the same time. We live in this world of, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But in our souls, we live in the tree of life. So if we're one with Christ, if we've accepted him, he's actually within inside us and we're joined to him. And it's important for us to understand who Jesus is and continue to learn more about him And in in Jesus' own words, which is is what this actual series is. And through our lives, going to church and through times, we've been told many things about him. And unfortunately, some of those times, those teachings have been taken out of context in relation to the teachings of the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. Or that tree of knowledge of good and evil versus the tree of life, respectively. And it's important to know that we're born into this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And you can only choose one tree. You either continue to choose that tree or you choose that tree of life. There's no mixture of the two. You can't have two trees. So it's really important that we spend time to analyze everything taught in the Bible in the context of really to get a better understanding. And so today we're going to actually look at one of the books of the Old Testament uh, and that most of us are actually familiar with. And But the difference is, I think a lot of times we've overlooked the depth of the teaching of this book, of this book, and that book today that we're going to look at is Jonah. And what's important to remember in the Old Testament is that in Jesus' own words in John chapter fourteen, verse nine, He says, "If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father." And so, when we read the Old Testament, when we see God's words that's been spoken, we can be assured that that is Jesus. Because Jesus is God in flesh. So, as we go through and we look at this, it's also important to note that all the the scriptures, the Old Testament and the New Testament, all points to Jesus Christ. Regardless, a lot of times people try and separate the two, it's, it's not. Everything... While one, one is the Old Testament and that, that timing frame of, of what was going on, it still points to Jesus Christ, and we're going to see some of that as we go through this. But again, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil versus the tree of life. So, I was, so as I was thinking about uh, what I want to talk about for this Sunday, this revelation came to me about the book of Jonah. And I'm not sure if you know where it's at in your Bible, uh, but it is in the Old Testament. It's in the Minor Prophets, nestled that's right in between Obadiah and Micah, if that helps. Now, I realize that most everyone's familiar with the story, but unfortunately, there's much more to unpack than what has been taught to us ever since we were kids. And in my opinion, this book has been unfairly classified as a children's story. It's really not. But that traditional focus for kids has been about Jonah being disobedient to God and then getting right with God by obeying his commands, which is which is great, uh, you know, but, but there's a whole other symbolic representation of Jesus Christ that goes on there. And, of course, Jonah being inside this, this sea creature, the translation is actually sea creature. It's not fish, but it could be a bit of fish, a giant fish. There's plenty of them out there that could actually hold a man and, or a whale. It could, could be those, but that, that representation of Jonah being inside this fish for three days and three nights is a picture of Jesus Christ in the tomb. And then the Ninevites... Their repentance that they actually had once they heard God's message, and then ultimately God's grace of mercy on them for repenting or changing their mind about what they were doing, is all a picture of Jesus Christ. But there's even more to, that we've overlooked and what, that's often missed. And if we're not careful, we miss a huge piece of the story, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. And since I said that uh, this is a picture of Jesus Christ, we will see his love and his compassion for his creation. So in particular, we're going to spend most of our time today in the last chapter, and that's chapter 4. But to do so, we need to set up in a perspective context. And, you know, I'm not going to go in the whole book and the whole details. Like I say, most people are familiar with it. But we're going to talk about some key points that are going to be important about chapter 4. But yet it's so important, but yet often overlooked. So let's get started. So Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. And two, let's see we should have it. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to, the Nineveh, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So what's important to note about this is, is Jonah is of the nation of Israel. He's a Hebrew. What are the Ninevites? They're Gentiles. So you already have this conflict between two different groups of folks. They don't really like each other. The, the Hebrews don't really associate with others, and that's according to their laws and traditions. They, they keep to themselves separate. And they're not really, they don't really intermingle. And you know what? That's somewhat still true today in our society of groups. There's a lot of non, non-intermingling that goes on. But it's a key point as we analyze this book to remember that the two don't really associate with each other. So, pardon me. So verse 3. Oh, I'm sorry. I've got a couple more points to make. So, here's the next point. Where is Nineveh? Does anybody know? It's actually in Iraq. It's actually a UNESCO World Heritage Site that still has walls and excavated, uh, but it's near a modern-day city that's been in the news a lot. Does anybody know? Bozel. Ruth knows. <laughs> I should have guessed. Somebody would know. But here's the point. Do we see similarities? There's all this conflict going on in Mosul, right? Do we see the similarities of what was going on in Nineveh back then versus similarities of what's going on in Mosul now in that same region? It's very similar. Conflict with ISIS, Islamic terrorists. What about the wickedness? It says here in verse 2 that, God says, I've seen the wickedness and it has come up before me. Do we see wickedness going on in the same region? Well, without going into graphic detail, the Ninevites prided themselves on how atrocious they could treat their victims. Do we see that in the same area? Yeah, we do. And some people will chalk it up to, these people have been fighting each other for thousands of years and they're going to continue fighting each other. But without going into the summation of what my sermon's about, I will say to you that this region has been without Jesus Christ for 2,000 years. So looking ahead, you may see where I'm going with this, but I want you to see the relevance of what Jonah was feeling towards the Ninevites versus what we feel about Islamic terrorists and folks that are doing damage and, Crazy things. So make no mistake. Jonah knew who these people were. He knows knows what they've done. He knows what they're capable of doing. And he may have actually even known people who had been persecuted for their faith or tortured, murdered. We don't know. It's a conjecture on my part. So now, verse three. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish and, and from the presence of the Lord. He gets on a ship. He's in the opposite direction. I mean, you're on the Mediterranean Sea. You're as far east as you can pretty much go. You get on a ship. The only place to really go is west. And so we believe that Tarshish is actually on the, the coast of Spain. So he's going the opposite direction. So why is he heading opposite directions? Is he scared? Probably. I would be. God told me, hey, go over there, hang out, and go to Mosul and start telling people about me. I would probably be scared, scared too. But is that all? No, it's not. There's actually more to it, and we're going to see it in chapter 4. I don't want to spoil it for you. So verse, uh, verse 4. So the ship sails, and uh, let's see, verse 4. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm, and on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every everyone cried out to his God, little G, right? Little G. And they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, lain down and fallen asleep. So the captain approached him and said, how is it that you're sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. It's so a picture of Jesus Christ asleep in the boat and his disciples being afraid and them coming to him and waking him. And so through this sequence of events, the crew finds out that Joan's on the lamb, and that God's, this is God's storm. And they realize that Jonah's to blame for their mishap. So, verse eight and nine, and they find out when they find out that it's his, his, his you know, his fault that they're. They said to him, "Tell us now, on whose account has this uh, has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you?" I mean, they're panicking. They want to get to the bottom of it. They want to get to the bottom of it now. And he says to them, "I'm a Hebrew." and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And they Shazam, that's the guy we need. This is the God we need. He's the guy that created all this. This is the one we need to save us. So verse 10. And they became extremely frightened and they said them because they came became extremely frightened because they knew he was in control of the sea and the dry land. And they said, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. So they said to him, what do we do with you? What should we do to make the sea so it becomes calm for us? And it was getting worse and worse. So the sea is becoming increasingly stormy. And he says to them, hey, pick me up and throw me into the ocean. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm is on upon you. They got every right to be mad at him. But the difference is, is that they actually start trying to row back so that they don't have to throw him in the sea and it doesn't work. They can't get him back and get back to dry land. And so they basically have to give up. And so at that point, Joan is telling them to say, hey, throw me overboard and your ship will be fine. In other words, sacrifice me, to save yourselves. Does that sound familiar? And the Gentiles come to know the Lord that day. So even though that Jonah's doing something opposite of what he's supposed to do, the Gentiles still come to know the Lord that day. It's, again, a picture of Jesus Christ. And it's like I said in verse 13. It says, however, the men rowed desperately to return the land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Then they called and the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, and do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. These men have compassion for Jonah. They don't want to toss him in to save their own lives. And, and they know that he got on the ship and he was running from the Lord. So looking at Wrapping up chapter 1, verse 15 through 17, it says, So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish for three days and three nights. And so, again, like I said, that's a picture of Jesus Christ in the tomb, and and even Jesus refers back to that in, in the New Testament. But as a quick rabbit trail, you know, without going into too, too detail here, in this chapter 2, we've always got, I don't know about you, but I've always gotten this image that Jonah goes to the ocean and immediately he's just walloped by a fish. And, or maybe he's even caught in midair, who knows, you know, it's looking for, you know. But if you read through there in Jonah's pray, uh, prayer in chapter 2, I don't think this is the case. I think he spent some time in the water because it talks about him, at the depths of the foots of the mountains. But I'll let you read that for yourself. But anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting that, you know, this. I don't believe this fish was sitting there ready, waiting to, to go. I think it was quite some time later. So chapter 2, verse 10, finishes up with, And the Lord, after Jonah's prayer, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. And so he, he spits him out on this dry land, which, wouldn't which, well, you like to see that? But, What's important to note in there, the fish put him on dry land. Jonah's been in the ocean, the sea. He says, my God's the God of the sea and the dry land. He was already in the sea. The fish put him on dry land. He didn't put him on the beach. He put him on dry land. So chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and we're gonna then we're going to move on to chapter 4. So verse 1, he says, now the, Lord, now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm giving to, going to tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. But now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days' walk. Then Jonah began to, grow, uh, sorry, began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Verse 5, then the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. And when the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. So what happens is, you can see, Jonah says, okay, I get it, I get it, God. And he goes and he does what, it, what God's told him. He proclaims God's message. They believe it. And God spares them. And everybody's happily ever after, right? Except for Jonah. And this is what's most important to realize. Chapter 4, verse 1. But it greatly displeased Jonah. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was this not what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant loving kindness, and one who relents from calamity. Some translations will actually have repents. God repents concerning calamity. He said, I knew this was going to happen. I, I don't like them. They've done all these horrible things. They've done all these crazy things. They're, they're wild people. And I don't want them. I, don't, I knew you were going to have compassion on them. I knew they were going to change. And I don't like it. Therefore now, Lord, verse 3, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. He'd rather die. And you think he's serious? I think so. He said, you know what, this is sickening to me. I don't like it. I don't like what these people have done. I don't like it that, they're, that God's had compassion on them. But I love the, what the Lord says. He does, I, I love how God asks questions. And sometimes I even love it better when he, asks, he answers a question with a question. The Lord said, do you have a good reason to be angry? Jonah doesn't answer. So instead, he goes, Jonah, verse 5, he goes out from the city and sat east of it. And there he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. He's waiting for the mushroom cloud, man. He's waiting for them to go go back to their ways and and wait for God to pound them. He's like, I I mean, to me at that point, I think I'd go, you know, I'd want to go home. But he wants to stay there and, and see what happens and see him get pounded. So the, so verse 6, so the Lord God appointed a plant and a group over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about that plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. And when the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. I don't like it. I don't like that these people what's happened with these people. I don't like it what's well, happened with my plant. I love this plant. It was so nice. It was a nice area. And now it's gone. And what does God do? He asks him the same question again. But in a different way. He says, then God said to Jonah, verse 9, Do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I. Jonah says, Yeah, I do. I have good reason to be angry. Even I'm so mad I'm to my own death. Maybe might be exaggerating a little bit there, but but then the Lord said, Jonah, you have compassion for the plant. You didn't work for it. You didn't do anything to this plant. You didn't cause it to grow. You didn't do anything. You didn't plant it. You didn't take care of it. You just, it just came up overnight and it perished overnight. Shouldn't I have compassion for Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 people? And they don't know what they're doing. They don't know the difference between their right hand and from their left. And they got all these animals and cattle and things. Don't you understand? These are people, Jonah. They don't know what they're doing. So even though these people here, they've been doing adorable things. doing horrible things, Jesus still has concern for them. He says they don't know the right hand from the left. They don't understand. They don't know what they're doing. And Jonah would have rather drowned in the sea than rescue the Ninevites from God's judgment. And again, as a sidebar, even though he was doing the right thing, people came to know the Lord God that day, even though he was going the opposite direction. And those men, they had compassion on Jonah, even though they had every right to be angry with him. They wanted to save him and keep him. Of course, you know, to me, I think in most days, nowadays, if I was put in that position, a lot of us would say, hey, man, you're out of here. You're going overboard. I'm going to save my own bacon. You're on, you know. But for me, I'm going to be honest with you. I've got to admit, I have trouble with. I have trouble with this because I know who these people are and what they're doing overseas and around the globe. And I want to see them pounded back in the Stone Age, just like Jonah. I'm going to sit up on that hill and watch. I don't know if you ever heard of Roy D. Mercer. I want to open up a 55-gallon can of whooping on him. And he doesn't say whooping, he says something else. But then what came to me in my mind was Isaiah 55, 8, where God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. And we see from this story, God has concern for these people. He wants them to know him. He wants them to change, to repent, and to put their faith in him and not in their false religious practices. What about Paul? Paul was the same. Paul says in First 1 Timothy 1:15, 1 he says, it's a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. The NIV translated says, Whom I am the worst. To put it in perspective, Back in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, it says, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. That's Stephen, the first martyr. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church of Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul didn't have compassion for that. He began ravaging the church, it says, entering house after house and dragging off men and women and putting them in prison. I guarantee you he didn't do it nicely. He didn't say, please come with me. I'm sure it was awful. Acts chapter 9 further talks about verse 1. It says, now Saul, also known as Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, the new church of Christianity, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He was on a witch hunt. He's going after them. So what do we do about this? In our world today, we know there's people doing awful things around us every day, around us all the time. We're barraged by local, national, global events in the news. We live in this information age, and it's, my opinion, 99.9% of the news and messages out there is nothing but bad news. We have concerns for our country, our church, our lives, our children's lives. So what do we do? So in Jesus' own words, Matthew chapter 5, in the Beatitudes, verses 43 43 through 45, he says, You have heard it that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Everything occurring around us is pointing to the fact that we need our Savior, Jesus Christ. Everything. This world that we live in is full full of ambiguity. Ambiguity. What one person thinks is justice, another thinks is injustice. What one thinks is righteous, another one thinks is sinful. And it goes on and on and on and on. Our earthly bodies are here in this world, and this world is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Is there accountability for our actions? Absolutely, in this world. Are we sometimes adversely affected by the actions of others? Absolutely. But in Christ... Our soul is the tree of life. With Christ, there is truth and a promise, and that promise cannot be broken. This is why Christ is asking for us to pray for these people. They don't understand the right from their left. They're still trying to achieve something that they cannot attain on their own accord, and they don't understand their need for him. And so that's why we pray for them. So our journey marker this week is... Jesus did not come for the righteous. He came for all sinners, regardless of the sin. And so I'm going to wrap up before we have a question time. I just want to have a quick prayer that we pray for those, regardless of who they are. I don't agree with their actions. I don't agree what's occurred, what's been done in the past, but for us, with it's within our power, I'm asked to pray for them, and that's what I'd like to do. Lord, heavenly Father, I know this can be very difficult for us to see these injustices and things go on, but with everything that's happened, Lord, I pray that that these people simply see you and your Son Jesus, and that the love and compassion that He has, and that we can simply turn to him, rest in him, submit to him. And that what he's done for us is something that we can never attain for for ourselves. Even though that we try and, and we think that we're doing the right thing and that we're following whatever religious practice there is out there to try and get closer to you, that that is just entirely the opposite direction. And it's right there in front of us. It's simply turning to your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. And it's in his holy name I pray. Amen. So if you want to just, just, typically this time we open up for questions. If there's any comments or questions, Walt's got the mic.
2: Down here, you know, we forget that the Bible. Well, first of all, let me say, uh, I kudos is the right word, but um, yeah, this is a very controversial sort of um, topic. If you think about it, um, we're talking about um, expressing the love of Christ towards a people who literally want to um, wipe us off the map. Yeah very controversial because so much within me like you said, man, I want to sit there and watch them, you know, the mushroom cloud you know, that vengeance and that verse from the, from the Psalms to, or the Proverbs, I forget vengeance is mine, says the Lord Yeah. Um, but I forget so, so thank you for bringing this very um, timely but yet uh, uh, difficult it, uh, it's like a moral yeah. dilemma is really what it feels like you know we forget that the Bible is written mainly, or not mainly, but uh, a lot of the Bible is written by murderers, adulterers, um, and the Apostle Paul, who was a murderer who sought to end the, the entire church. But Moses was, an, was a murderer, um, David an adulterer, um, and a, mur- and yeah. a murderer, yeah. yeah, and a liar, and you know so forth and so on. And we forget that those are the very people that the Lord has used to bring about this revelation of his son and life in his son. Um, and so I'm just thinking aloud here as I'm responding to the message is, you know, <clears throat> perhaps I sh- I- Christ in me is crying for um, the salvation of the terrorist you know, as opposed to the um, eradication of the terrorist. Do we have to pay consequences for things that we do in this world? Absolutely. Absolutely. But at the same time, is this is the salvation of the terrorists, their their termination, or Christ? And uh, that's a very, very. Um, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, it's very tough. I mean, does that make sense? I mean, that's very difficult um, to rationalize. Another thing that um, came to my mind uh, you know, uh, is. You know, he talks about they don't even know their right from their left. You know, whether whether he's talking about children, talking about adults, what is he talking about? I'm not exactly sure, but certainly there's a level of ignorance that he's referring to. And it reminded me of Jesus on the cross mm. when he said, "Father, forgive them for what." They don't know what they're doing. They don't know not what they're doing. Hmm. And you know what? What ultimately on the scale of righteousness and unrighteousness was Walt Davis when he was born into this world. right I was as unrighteous as any Islamic terrorist hmm. as the Apostle Paul before Christ. Um, and I think that's why the Apostle Paul teaches things like know no man according to the flesh. It's so easy for us to define and categorize people by their heritage, by their sins, by what they do, but really ultimately is are they in Adam? Or are they in Christ? And that is the mission of the church, I think, is to see people, are you in Adam or are you in Christ? And if you're in Adam, let's talk about Christ. If you're in Christ, let's talk about Christ. So we're going to talk about Christ to get people into Christ and then to further reveal, those who are in Christ, what we have in Christ. Um, But, yeah, it's a very difficult, very controversial, very um, heavy uh, message. You're welcome. them. <laughs> uh, we got about uh, 12 minutes or so before we need to start packing up. This is the time that uh, we share and ask and refute and discuss. Steve?
3: Brandon, I just want to say thank you for your preparation and, and good work this morning. And, and again, as Walt indicated, such a good message. Um, that we need to be reminded of, and Walt Davis, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on, Just
4: stop. Just
3: but Brandon, nice work. Uh, and and it's a reminder to me that in this day and time, <clears throat> with all of the angst and frustration, as we turn on the. The bad news, as Brandon says, people are so torn in this country about what's going to happen November, whatever day. I've tried to put it out of my mind, but we we uh, you know, we're faced with choices that I never thought we'd see, and it it's a reminder to me of the verse somewhere in the Bible to keep our eyes on Jesus. Mm. Keep our eyes on him. We're not of this world. <laughs> We're not of this, this kingdom. We're of his kingdom now as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I, in fact, I, I shared this with our men's group some time ago. <sighs> we come to church to worship our Heavenly Father. But equally, I think, is important. I look around and there's none, none other men from my men's group here this morning. We come as encouragement and support and witness to our other brothers and sisters in Christ. Leela's here, and that is a testimony to me. She lives next door to me. I see her quite often outside of church, but to see her in church is a witness and a testimony to me that I constantly need. I need to be reminded all the time to keep my eyes on him and not on what's going on in this crazy world. And by keeping my eyes focused on him, there is a slight chance, and I give it a slight chance because I'm still in this earthly, fleshly body, of loving these extremists, these people that want to kill us. You know, I, I'm stocking up on ammo. Because, <laughs> by gosh, you know, if they come after me, I'm going to gun them all down. I, You know, really, I need to love them. I need to love them. But without all of you in here reminding me so wrapped up in this world, and the bad news, as you indicate, that I forget. I just forget all of the time, and I'm thankful that you all come every Sunday, even though I don't come every Sunday, (laughs) I'm thankful that you all are here as witnesses and testimony to our Heavenly Father. It's important for you all to be here. It's important to remind those that aren't here to come, um, we need a strong church. The church being the body of people, not not necessarily just here at Henley, but everywhere. We just need each other, and we need to be reminded of, of that righteousness in us that God has given us, and to constantly love our brothers and sisters, love your enemies. I mean, that is hard. That is hard stuff. There's two people running for office that I'm having a real hard time loving. Real hard time. But I've got to. I've I've, I've got to pray for them. And I've got to pray for our country. And I've got to pray for unity. And I'm thankful that I live in this time because I think we can show people all this stuff going on. That doesn't really matter. Keep your eyes on him. That's what matters. It's the kingdom of his it's his kingdom, so thanks again, Brian. Sure. And you're not really fine.
2: Uh, so it raises a question of is there – I'm working my way over to you. Is there, um, is there a time for war? You know, Is there a place for, you know, somebody's beating your door down, you know, ready to kill you and your family, and you load up and, and go to town with it? Is there a place for that? Or do we just sit around as passive um, people and get martyred, martyred, destroyed? Maybe not even martyred. I don't even know if martyr is the right word. Just destroyed. I don't know. That's a question I'm throwing out there because I don't know the answer. I don't know
5: the answer to that. (laughs) Um, I think one of the more important lessons to come away from things like that is, you know, it's easy to say, like, we're this country and they're that country. We're this people and they're that people, just like Jonah and Nineveh. Like, they're totally different from us. We would never do things like that. They're just awful and evil. And guess what? That is who we are. That is the sinful nature. That is who we are without Jesus. That's why we need Jesus. Because we are just like that without the Lord. We are no different. That is. What the sinful nature looks like. That is what we've been saved from. And so, what's important is that, you know, not these culture differences and stuff, but at the end of the day, this is why Jesus came and died for us so that he would save us from being that way. So that we could have the Holy Spirit and so that we could do things like love those who hate us. I mean, we can't do that out of the sinful nature. You can't do that out of the flesh. You have to have the Holy Spirit to do that. And that's what we've been given. So, that's the life that.
2: Praise God. Very mm. right, good.
4: Brandon brought out earlier in his uh, presentation about we have, we took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and especially in the last, our idea neither that goodness or that evil is what he's asking us to take and going to the point of ISIS or those that would chop our heads off neither that evil or a nation who would be good by the reference of that truth Why do we feel better about a nation who is good, by that reference? Why do we feel better about them and less threatened as it pertains to the spiritual kingdom than we do about those who are evil? One is not better than know that we will get that answer and we will know whether that is in our place to build a spiritual kingdom by bringing down perhaps that good or evil. that is the work of God I hope I trust that the Lord will make sense of goodness of the natural output of, of my own goodness or the evil. We could neither we could neither quit doing the evil that was referenced from that tree or do the good that we were invited to do. We could do neither of those. I couldn't. But the Lord offers his righteousness and covers
1: what I do. Eradicates the old tree, and like Steve was saying, was saying, keep your eyes focused on Jesus, you know, and all these things. We can sit here and contemplate, and we can talk about all these different things about what one person, like I said, what one person thinks is righteous, another one thinks is sinful. We can contemplate these things all day long, but when we focus on Christ, it, all that just fades away. That whole, this whole world. Of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil just vanishes, and it's simply the tree of life in Jesus Christ. And and as Paul says, what came to me while you were talking about that was that Paul says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's all my focus is on Him. I, while we're here, we're, we're we just continue to focus on Christ. And you know what? There's going to be things that affect us from this world. And and yeah, I, I, I personally. I don't believe we're supposed to be pacifists, okay? And I may be wrong. And, and, and again, somebody may think it's something totally different, and that's what you're going to see in this world of good and evil. But you know what? When I say I just focus on Christ, I'm going to say, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm just going to continue to focus on him if, if, and trust him, that whatever comes down the road, I'm going to put my faith in him, and it's going to be okay. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to put my faith in him. Uh, ultimately, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to be in co- commun- communion with him in heaven face-to-face. I mean, I'm already joined to him now, but we're going to be with him face-to-face. And I, we're going to look back at this place and go,
4: <laughs> what was
1: I worried about? You know? Really, yeah, you know, this is so much better. Amazing.
2: So Consider it pure joy when you face trials and tribulations. It's a, it's a tough scripture to swallow right there. Mm. Any other thoughts? We have time for one more before we head out. Jeff. Uh, I, I have
6: a, a slightly different take to, um, on some of this. I mean, I, I, when, when you're talking about it and when you asked that question, I was thinking in my mind, well, vengeance is the Lord, right? Self-defense is my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's a difference there, right? I mean, sure. God put governments in place because He knows that we live in an imperfect world. Mm. And I just asked the question, for example, yes, we can pray and we have to. There's a spiritual aspect to this. But if we had all prayed and just kind of wait during World War II for Hitler, what would have happened yeah. to everything? Yeah. Right? So there's a distinction, I think, between that and the fact that there's ordained governments, there's ordained capital punishment, there's ordained things that God in his wisdom knows that, yes, there is a balance, but there's a distinction between them both. Mm -hmm. So if you go to war in Iraq or whatever, there is a need to stop evil, I think. Um, Sure. You may not take vengeance. you, you, You do enough to stop it not going further. That's
1: just my view. Right. And I agree with you 100%. And don't don't think that in we're saying that we're supposed to be pacifists and, and, and sit back and I'll let these things continue to happen. My point in all this is that realize that these people are living in the world of the knowledge of good and evil, and they don't understand, and that we are adversely affected by these things in this world, and that that means sometimes that people of this world get together in that retribution or trying to go back and stop what's going on the injustices but in also in that aspect sometimes those things happen to cause more injustice too I mean it's a mess it is not a it is it is unequivocally what one person thinks is one thing what somebody else thinks something else and that's the point I'm trying to get across we're going to continue to see that in this world that things are going to Going to continue to happen like that. It's not until in Jesus Christ that all that disappears and in the tree of life. And like I say, Jeff, I totally agree with you. I, we can't just sit back and go, "Oh, I'm just going to let these people continue to get mistreated and things of that nature or, or whatever." We see something going on. Yeah, it, it, that's but that's the worldly side of us. So I look at it from from a Christ perspective. We definitely, we pray.
2: Well, Let's do that. Let's go ahead and stand and be dismissed with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, because this is a, uh, a very heavy subject, very heavy situation where we desperately um, seek, as Christ seeks, the salvation of men, every man, woman, boy, and girl, to come to a saving faith, in Christ Jesus. I mean, Jesus died for the sins of the world, not just for the sins of the U.S., Virginians, and Crozatians, Davises. It was for the sins of the world. And so, Father, we um, seek that. We thank you that you took a murdering, hate-filled Pharisee, And you saved him. And you revealed to him the riches of Christ. And he wrote down some stuff that we now read thousands of years later that is absolutely life-transforming. So we know that you can save the murdering terrorists. And we pray for that, as Brandon is calling us to do. We pray for this. I, in my own life, have prayed more for the destruction of a people, I have to admit, than the salvation of a people. But at the same time, Father, we do seek to end even with political measures, the spreading of evil in the defense of those who who are not taking up that philosophy, ideology. So, Father, we just pray for wisdom. We seek the mind of Christ. We've been given the mind of Christ. And I pray, Father, that we don't run too far in either in the direction of just seeking like Jonah to stand up and watch the mushroom cloud and boasting in the destruction of a people. But, Father, may we not be silly to passively lay down good men doing nothing and watch evil triumph. So give us wisdom, we pray, as a people. Thank you for Brandon for bringing this very meaningful and heavy uh, thought-provoking message. Above it all, Father, we thank you for what we see in Jonah, Christ hidden, and the ultimate salvation for the Ninevites believing in this message that you had given Jonah. So Father, that's what we pray for in our families, in our country, in our town here, but Father, around the world, the ultimate salvation, ultimate peace, satisfaction is believing in this message about Jesus that we have joyfully be given to share with the world. Father, we thank you for our church. We thank you for your love towards us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you again for listening to today's podcast of the teaching at Life Journey Church in Crozet, Virginia. We'd love to hear from you. If God is doing something special in your life, let us know by sending an email to info at Feel free to pass today's teaching on to any friends and family that you'd like, but please don't change any of it or charge for it. This podcast is made available for free as a ministry of Life Journey Church. If you would like to support the proclamation of the gospel of the grace of God, you can make a donation now on our website, lifejourneyva.com. Have a great day.